You'll need to find Second Chronicles. I'm going to be reading here in just a moment or two from Second Chronicles, and then I'm going to move over to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is relatively easy, I think, to find. Second Chronicles may be a little more challenging. Second Chronicles, chapter 5 here in just a moment. These next couple of weeks, I'm going to be teaching not out of a series, maybe it could have been put into a series, but there are a couple of themes that I wanted to touch, touch on with you, the congregation, that has been stirring in my spirit about the church, and it doesn't fit neatly into series. I like series too because it always sort of helps me know where I'm going the next week. Um, but there have been some things stirring in my spirit, so I really believe there may be some, some what we call rhema, Rhema is life-giving, you know, light-turning-on word that will really help you. And uh, I, I want to take these next several weeks to be able just to share a couple of these things. The church is God's idea to be used as the conduit through which his purposes and plans can be released in the earth. The church isn't just something man came up with. The church is God's idea... And it is his pipeline through which his plans and his purposes are released in the earth. Now, for all of the wonderful things and all the wonderful truths that Martin Luther gave to us out of the Protestant Reformation, and I'm sure many, if not all of you, have heard the name of Martin Luther. 1517, he nailed the 95 theses on the Wittenberg door at the chapel there in Germany. And that is considered to be the birthplace or the battle cry of the Protestant Reformation. Up until that time, up until 1517, I guess we were all Catholics. Uh, but at that time, there was, there was a, a, a break in that relationship. And Martin Luther is the one that is usually signified as the person who initially got that particular view out. And for all of the wonderful things that our dear brother Martin Luther did for us. He had a truth. He certainly had a revelation from God that we needed to recapture. And that is the just shall live by faith. And that is you and I need a personal, everyone say personal. You and I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That was what that reformation was all about. And so that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. God used him in a mighty way. And for all the wonderful things that he did for us, unfortunately, We were left with a diminished view, I believe, of the crucial nature of the church. Because Luther saw all the problems with the church. And that's really true today, is it not? I mean, there are a lot of people that won't come to church. Why? Because all I see is hypocrites there. All I see is inconsistency there. You know, I was at this church the other day and I saw this and I saw that and I know so-and-so and 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 you know, and so we've reached this place where we've sort of developed this, this highly individualized religion. You know, I gotta go to church. I can still believe in God. And you know, and I understand that. I understand. Yes, you can know God. Yes, you can have a relationship with God. And, and you certainly can love the Lord without ever having to go to a church. I understand that. I understand how in 1517, Catholicism left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I understand that here in 2009, church can leave a bad taste in people's 
mouth. But here's the problem. The problem is just because you have a bad taste doesn't mean that there's not some legitimate things in there that you need to get a hold of and you might be missing. You see, if you just have developed your own personal, individualized walk with God, then you are developing something that is foreign to the whole counsel of Scripture. Sure it is, because you couldn't have 60 plus different forms of one another passages unless you were with one another. The most significant event, I think, in all of the Scripture is the day of Pentecost, which appeared in a gathering of people. The Bible says that after Pentecost, they gathered continually. I think it's interesting that Israel could not get to its destiny unless they all went in together. I mean, I understand the spies went in and they voted 10 to 2. You know, let's not take the land. But it's interesting, God didn't let the two who wanted to go in, go in. Are you following me? In fact, even though their hearts were, we can do this, they were still tied and subject to the greater purposes of the whole. Even the scripture itself says of itself that you can't interpret this privately. The Bible says no scripture is given by private interpretation. So that means that there's going to be some input somehow, some way from believers around us. So, so the Lone Ranger mentality we have today is not nearly as biblical as some people think. Now, understand God did not do this to control you. He did not do this to tie you up in some bondage to other people. But I believe that there is something he can uniquely do in the earth through the gathering of his people. There is a power, there is a purpose that can be released only when we come together as the church. Now I can hear what people say at this point. It's not even a word of knowledge. I just know. I've been around people long enough. They'll say, but pastor... Won't God bless me? Won't he help me? Won't he talk to me? Won't he do these things without the church? Yes, I believe that God can do these things even outside of a church attending believer. But there is something uniquely powerful that you're missing and that can happen when we come together as the church. I'm not talking about now this nebulous, ethereal, oh, I'm a part of the greater body of Christ at large. No, what that means is you're not attached anywhere. I've heard this greater body of Christ at large stuff, when all that means is ain't nobody going to get me to go anywhere. I got you. I'm talking about when you literally, tangibly, committedly attach with a group of people that are functioning under a vision from God. And, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because there are just some things about church that I think are important that you need to understand that can really bless your life. And it might be a key component in some of your lives as to why God may not be moving like he could and, and how to get that pipeline opened in your life even more. So I want to talk this morning on what I've called the power of atmosphere. The power of atmosphere. Now, in 2 Chronicles, I'm going to read these very quickly. There are some passages here. Just bear with me. I, 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 I'm not going to parse through it all. But, but in the Second Chronicle passages, it's basically the dedication of Solomon's temple. And I want to show you what God did in a gathering. Okay? 
Second Chronicles chapter five, verse 11 says, when it came to pass that the priests, when the priests came out of the most holy place for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their division and the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph, Haman, Jedithan with their sons, their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, harps, and with them 120 priests sounding the trumpet. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpet and singers, listen, were as one. To make one sound. So you got a group of people doing something as one. To be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, the cymbals, the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Listen, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. There's an atmosphere that's starting to change. So that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Jump over to chapter 7 of this same book. Chapter 7, we're still in the dedication ceremony. Verse 1, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement, worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. You might say to yourself, well, that was the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Well, let me share with you what can happen in the New Testament now. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, Acts 2, verse 1, very similar happening. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, everyone say all. See, there's this group again, right? With one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And of course, verse 4 talks about they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Jump over now to chapter 4. One more, one more verse or two I want to read to you, and then we'll get after it here. Acts four, thirty-one. As you'll recall, we've read this before, that Peter and John had gotten themselves in trouble by healing a man at the temple gate. The church, because of the uh, arrest and the problems that were going on with Peter and John, they go to prayer. They're gathered again together. Verse 31, it said, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to talk about the power of atmosphere. On occasion, like this morning, as we were, as we were coming out of our worship time, I, I, I'm hoping many of you sensed what I was sensing, and that is that there are moments we come into this room together. This is, this is our church. This is the sanctuary. 
And we come into this room together as the church and we begin to worship God together. And there are times it's interesting. And, and again, this is no reflection on those that uh, give leadership in this area. I just I'm just going to give you just some observation. There are times we come in and man, we come out of the chute and all cylinders are hitting and it's popping and the people are into it. And from the very moment of, of worship service, my Lord, just God's here and there's an excitement and there's an energy and, and those are wonderful, wonderful things that happen. And conversely, there are occasions when we will come into the house of God and it's like we're raising the dead. I mean, the cylinders ain't hitting. It ain't happening. Something isn't just like it has been at times past. And, you know, we have, you know, I, I, I did worship for years. Some of you know I, I did this for years. And I, I often, you know, I just came up with these witty sayings that really weren't necessarily spiritual. They're just witty sayings. And, you know, I'd often say, you know, bad practice, good worship. You know, good practice, oh, my God, we peaked already, you know. This we worship's not going to be good this morning. And, and, and so you begin to sort of fall into the trap, and I, I know I have at times. You fall into the trap where you think that somehow the... The worship atmosphere is geared to a skill or it is geared uh, just to a talent or something like that. And, and somehow or another that as worship may be going on, that all of a sudden, you know, maybe everybody gets in sync or the van finds its pocket or whatever the case may be. And for some reason, things get a little bit better. And maybe you started rough, but it ends well and everybody's happy. And that's sort of on a natural plane, sometimes what can go through our minds. We'll go out of service sometimes and we'll even say worship was good today or worship needed a little help today. Or, you know, we'll go through all these sort of things as we're sort of evaluating what is going on but but i want to just recapture something that i've had to recapture again i've known this for years and it's just easy to get drugged back into the natural man so i'm breaking out of it this morning and the key that we've got to understand is this that we have a responsibility to seize the atmosphere see when we come in here to worship god You and I have a responsibility. You know, we can't stand back like we're watching some Broadway production and look at those that are on the stage and say, I dare you to get me to raise my hands. You know, let's just, I had a terrible week. I dare you to see if you can even get me past my shoulder. See, we've got a responsibility together. Say it, say it, together. We've got a responsibility together to begin to seize the atmosphere in order for God to move powerfully in our midst. Now, again, you may not be able to all the time understand this at a a natural level. You know certain things at a natural level, but now we need to step over and understand some things at a spiritual level. You see, there are moments like this morning, I am so glad God knew what I needed for an illustration this morning. Because when we came to that third song... That's when the windows of heaven began to open. God's presence began manifesting. His glory began to drip through. And we began to sense that as a people. Now, I understand you're saying to yourself, I don't know what that was. I can't define it. I'm trying to tell you what it was right now. Whatever we choose to do by way of labels, what's happening is that we're sensing there's an atmospheric change. 
that's taking place. The scripture that I read to you, both out of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, really are just the tip of the iceberg with regards to the power of atmosphere. There were moments in both Old and New Testaments when God's people gathered and there was an ability to shift the atmosphere from where it was a place that God could not invade it to a place where God dramatically invaded in a distinguishable way in their midst. I have been asked on occasion to define what is meant by the glory of God. It would be interesting if I were just to run through the congregation and get you to solicit what the glory of God is. Somebody define for me the glory of God. It would be interesting to hear what the definitions would be because the glory of God, if you think about it, is a very difficult thing to define. In fact, there are six Hebrew words for glory. And so far as I know, there's only one word, one Greek word for glory. And if I took you through all the possible definitions, it's not going to help you that much. It means things like, listen, beauty, purity, transparency, awesome, spectacular, grandeur, weighty. All of these are interesting ways to define the glory, but I don't know exactly how you would uh, uh, begin to grab a hold of that. The, The best I can do is simply to tell you it is atmosphere. Atmosphere. There's something in the atmosphere that you can sense that's that's different than maybe what you normally face. And I want to make this simple proposition. Listen to this. I believe the reason we have not seen true conversions, that we've not seen cities or nations shaken, that we've not seen signs, wonders, and miracles, we've not seen revival and change occur is because the current expression of church has lost the ability to seize the atmosphere for God's glory to be released. Now, you say, why is that important? I don't even get why that's important. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, listen to this. This, is, this answered so many questions for me when I began to think about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Listen to this. It says, but we all, again, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So Paul says, and in fact he uses the whole analogy of Moses being confronted by the glory and how he had to wear a veil across his face because the glory was so intense upon him as a human being that if he were to come down off the mountain after being in the glory of God, the people could not have handled it. And so Moses literally had to put this veil over his face because of the glory. Imagine. And now Paul says, we all with unveiled face can behold the glory of the Lord, but listen, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so what this says to me is, is that there can be no change, there can be no transformation unless glory shows up. Oftentimes I've asked myself, you probably don't consternate over this like I do. 
But there have been moments I've asked myself the question, why is it, Lord, that we see people make decisions, we see people walk the aisles, we pray the prayer, we minister to people, we take them to encounter, we, we, we send them to the cross, we show them, you know, Mel Gibson's, you know, passion. We go through these things together. We, we powerfully try to present these things. And it seems like a few stick, a few don't. Seems like some get help, some don't. Why is it? And the Spirit of God came back to me and said, unless there is glory, there's no transformation. Wow. That's why it was so important And such an issue was made of it when finally Israel went its own way and God cut it loose and let it go and he said, write Ichabod over it. Why would you even mess with something like that? Why would you even even throw an extra exclamation point that they'd messed up and they'd gone awry and they'd gone astray and God had left them? Why would you even make a point? Just let them do their thing, God. You don't have to put an exclamation point. And it was as if the Lord said, no, I'm going to be sure everyone understands why it is this is happening. The glory has departed. Ichabod. That's why I believe So few people, cities, nations get transformed and truly changed because there's no glory. We don't think about glory anymore. And the glory will not come unless we as the church decide we want it. I want the glory of God. I really do. I want the glory of God to come. Buzz my arms, buzz my feet. Cause me not to be able to stand, oh God, but I must have the glory in my life. I want the glory in our, in our services. And we can retrieve the glory. This is the good news. We can retrieve the glory when we understand that all we have to do is begin to seize the atmosphere again so that the God of glory will come in a powerful, remarkable way. Now, I want to talk about, again, the power of this atmosphere. The word atmosphere can be defined, I just thought this was interesting, it can be defined as a general mood, an environment, or a pervading influence or spirit. We all know that atmosphere is hard to explain, but we've all experienced it when, for instance, we hang around certain people. There's an atmosphere. Or when we go to certain people's homes, there's an atmosphere. You can go to certain churches and there's an atmosphere. You can visit certain cities or go to certain nations. And for good or for ill, there is an atmosphere. Have you ever gone into a place, you may not have thought about it, but you've walked into some place and you just felt something. Maybe it was something oppressive. Maybe it was something good. But have you ever felt an atmosphere? Nobody defined it, but you felt it. Have you ever felt confusion? Have you ever felt an atmosphere of despair or an atmosphere of evil? It was interesting years ago when we lived in California, you would go into San Francisco and into that area and you would drive into the city and you could sense its atmosphere. But you'd cross the hills of Oakland and you'd go to Concord on the other side of the hills and there'd be a totally different atmosphere. I think it's interesting how when you drive to the upstate of South Carolina, there's an atmosphere. But you come back to the low country and there's an atmosphere. In fact, I've often remarked, I said, you wouldn't even think coming back to Charleston, you were in the same state. 
as you were when you were in the upstate. You can go to certain mainline churches and you can go into that church and there's an atmosphere. Or you can come into hopefully our church and you can sense an atmosphere. You can go to wealthy neighborhoods. You can go to public housing. You can go all sorts of different places and you may not even think about it. But somewhere on on another level, you sense atmosphere. And the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, I'm talking about God's, God's very presence. The presence of God is sensitive to atmosphere. You got to get that. Because if you don't get that, you'll never even get God in your individual life. He's sensitive to atmosphere. If he wasn't sensitive to atmosphere, how else could you grieve the Holy Ghost? Now, because of this, we have to have what I call a philosophy of atmosphere. I believe this is important both for the individual and the church. The Spirit of God is not going to manifest where there is negativity, corruption, darkness, disorder. These things in the atmosphere are not conducive to inviting His presence. Now, I know what some people will say. You'll say to yourself, are you saying that one person, one person's attitude could hinder the manifestation of his presence. I started to think about that because I thought if you got 200 people gathering for church, that it is a statistical impossibility that everybody would come non-grouchy. I, I mean, I just, I, there's just no way. There's no way you're going to open up the doors of a church and invite human beings to come in and somebody isn't going to be out of sorts. Somebody ain't going to be mad. Somebody ain't going to have their feelings hurt. Somebody ain't going to be grouchy. I mean, it's just statistically impossible. So do I think one person can stop a whole, a whole move of God? Well, I, I want to say this carefully, and I hope you hear the whole council. Achan stopped all of Israel. Remember when he grabbed the booty and brought it in the camp? So there is power in the one. Now, I'll just, now having said that, let me also say this. Because, I, you know, I don't want to be hamstrung by one grouchy person. Do you want to be hamstrung? Do you want your destiny hamstrung by someone who's just grouchy? I don't. I don't either. I believe that's why when you get into the New Testament, we have the concept of leavening. That there comes a tipping point. That, 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 that we're to leaven with righteousness. We're to leaven with, with passion. And, and if the leaven gets too far on one side, what happens is it begins to exercise the greater dominion or the, or the influence. But, but the point is this, is that in these accounts that I read to you, The people of God were in one place, they were in one accord together, the atmosphere was seized and God's glory showed up. But an even greater concern in knowing all of this has come to me because we're living in an era, and I've talked about this before, and and again, I'm just, I'm kind of moving until we get to August the 2nd where I can share some more vision, but there is, there is what we call church growth philosophy of our age that has been labeled seeker sensitive now i don't question anybody's intent or motive to reach unreached people i don't question anyone's intent to try to 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 stretch out and grab unchurched people in fact that's a mandate that the lord has given to every single church we're to reach unchurched and unreached people and every church should be doing this we should be reaching out to seeking 
to searching to lost people. But the question we have to always ask ourselves is, is the atmosphere we're creating for them or for him? Because you see, if you create it for them, glory won't show up. And if glory won't show up, there's no chance of transformation. But if he shows up, there's every chance for transformation. And what makes God and his glory comfortable may not always in the flesh or in the natural make people comfortable. At least initially, they aren't comfortable because why? They're so tied to their senses. They're tied to their, their eyes, their ears, what they're used to, what they're conditioned to, their environment, their tradition, their background. They've come through all this stuff. They think they know what church is and then they come to legacy and we blast them. And people go, wow, that's just, that's just and they're tilt. Well, like I said, sometimes you just need blasted out of your week. There needs to be a little tilt in us. Because these, these are the ways, you know, we just don't play the music we play because it's, you know, it's just, it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. I mean, that's just not why we do it. We do this, those of you that watch the old American bandstand will immediately know. Have you ever watched the old American bandstand? They'd invite the kids to come up and rate a record. Remember that? Every week they'd say this, got a good beat and you can dance to it. I mean, I don't know how long Dick Clark was on American Bandstand, but that was the answer every week. It's got a good beat and you can dance to it. Well, that's not why we're here. Why we're here is, is that we're practicing precept in order to bring us into the presence of God. And a part of that is seizing the atmosphere. Now, the question is, and I've got to hurry, how do you do this? Now, I'm going to go through this real quickly. Because I don't believe that you can manufacture or manipulate God to jump for you like a dog. I just don't believe that. I, I believe the minute you start working toward a formula, and I believe there are certain things that are formulamatic in the Scripture, so understand I, the Word is the Word and I agree with it. But at the same time, God knows the heart. And I believe that the moment you begin to treat Him like a formula, or you begin to think that you can manipulate or manufacture something that forces His hand to move in your life, I, I, I think at times... God steps back and says, hey, this isn't about you yanking me around. This is about relationship. And, and so hear what I'm saying. I, I don't believe we can manufacture or manipulate. I believe there are going to be times that we're going to come and, and we'll probably walk out of here. And again, this is no reflection of the hard work that everyone does on the stage. Worship tends to be the most visible aspect of seizing an atmosphere. But there'll probably be times we'll walk out and, and we'll say to ourselves, boy, worship went today. That's not their fault always. Sometimes it's our fault for not doing what we need to do to seize the atmosphere. And we need, listen, if you ever wonder what you can do to help lost people get saved, if you ever wondered what you could do to help sick people get healed or bound people get free, if you ever wonder when you came to church on a Sunday morning what you could do to help what we're trying to do Sunday after Sunday, I'm fixing to tell you. Because if all of us together, not just one or two, but if we could get a covenant of salt, if we could get a leavening effect, if we could get enough folks on board with this concept, we could begin to cultivate something that would seize the atmosphere that would open the portals of heaven for God's glory to come in our midst. 
Now, I know when I say there's 12 things, you're, you're, you're thinking, dear God, he's going to preach till the river dog game. I promise we're going to move through this swiftly. Listen, I, but you got to hear this. Please tell me you're hearing this. Everyone, if you're hearing this, look at me and say amen. amen. Listen, listen, listen. You can, you can do something to help. You. Anything, you may do a lot of other things and you probably need to, but I'm telling you, this is, this is one area you can help. Twelve things that we can cultivate together. Everyone say together. See, we've got to do this together. You can do this in your own life. It'll work for you in your own life too. But together, there is something powerful that can begin to happen. Let me give you these 12 things. I honestly believe that, that they are, they are the, the beginning point of seizing the atmosphere to see the day of Pentecost come again. Number one, I believe there has to be a spirit of transparency. That people, when they come, get to see real live Christianity. No phony baloney religion. No plastic people, fake followers. People get to see our wins and our losses, good days, tough days. There's no such thing as a perfect person, but we are a pursuing people. They see us laugh. They see us cry. They see us. They see, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my wife. I'm talking about those that get paid, that are on staff. I'm talking about division directors, cell leaders down to the, 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 the people themselves. They need to see everybody on their face before God, seeking God, saying like Isaiah. I figure if Isaiah had enough guts to say, woe is me, I am a man undone. They ain't nobody too big to say that. So there's got to be a spirit of transparency. You ain't all that. Time to get. It's time really. People need to see this. People come in and they don't know who to share with what to say. It it, it wouldn't hurt them to see a little dirty laundry under a light so it could get cleansed by the blood. See, that's what we're about, cleansing. So spirit of transparency. Number two, a spirit of unified expectancy. We need to come. This is what you can do every Sunday. You can come in here as a people expecting that it will not be business as usual. That God's going to do something unique today. We need to bring the attitude that God is going to do phenomenal things. I expect it. I'm excited about being here. Didn't want to miss it. It's atmospheric. It's unified expectancy. When together we begin to cry out and say, oh God, you could, this could be the day. Wow. Number three, a spirit of supernatural faith. How many know that God is not common? He is not ordinary. This is a day that God wants to unveil miracles. And he's going to reward those that walk by faith. So God is not drawn to doubt. He is not drawn to unbelief. I understand folks will come. Bad week. They're wondering where God's at. I understand there will be those struggles. People will come that don't know the Lord. And, and they're kind of skeptical in all of this. I understand they will be here as well. But we have got to have a leavening effect. We have got to have the preponderance of the folks coming in, believing God in faith. Not standing back saying, we'll see. Well, no, we won't see. We won't see a thing. With you going, we'll see. So, so we've got to have supernatural faith. God's not drawn to doubt. He's not drawn to unbelief. 
Jesus of Nazareth could do no mighty works, it says, in his own hometown because his hometown couldn't get faith. Number four, there has to be a spirit of receptivity. We've got to believe as we come in that everyone can receive something from God today. Do you understand that I don't care where you're sitting in this room this morning, that God can find you and he can release things to you and that you can receive, yes, you can receive something from God today. You do not have to leave this service empty-handed from the Lord. He is no respecter of persons. What he did for Dot in a shower when a mold dropped off, he'll do for you. He sent people $5,000 checks in the mail. What he did for them, he can do for you. It's not just the big shots, it's every shot. Come on now. We've got we to have a spirit of receptivity. He just doesn't heal them. He can heal me. I mean, receptivity. God is inexhaustible. He doesn't, his, his bank account doesn't run out. I mean, somehow or another, it's not like he's got ten healing things he can do today and that's it. He is inexhaustible. There is more than enough of him to cover everyone. You just got to receive it. Get a spirit of receptivity. That's for me. Number five, put down here a spirit of true love. Now I'm talking about the atmosphere. You got you to bring this in attitudinally. You got to bring this in expectantly. Have you ever seen, you remember the old Peanuts comic strips? And do you remember Pigpen? Y'all remember Pigpen? Some of you don't read the comics. But you know, Pigpen was the dude that never took a bath. And everywhere he walked in the comic strip, there was this dust bowl behind him. I've met people like that. They have an atmosphere. Listen, it's, it's, it's not that you don't take a bath or use deodorant. But, but, it, but it's you coming in with an attitude. It's you coming in with a, with a spirit that, that, that exudes from you that people sense. They won't be able to define it, but they can sense it. And one of them has to be true love. That no person is undervalued and that people are important. When you see someone you don't know... You don't stick with your group that you do know, but you can call them later on the phone because you're such good friends, but you can go to the one whom you don't know and say, let me introduce myself. We want you here. You're released to prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord, you're here for a reason. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the one that everybody has read at their wedding describing true love. Listen to this. Patient, kind, not envious. Do you come to church and do you envy people? Well, I'm t- it's, it's, it's an atmosphere. You're not arrogant, not rude. Do you ever think if you're being rude to anyone else? I'm just going to say this, and I, I, I could ride this horse. I see a dozen rude things a week, just getting 200 people together. True love. Love is not rude. Not selfish, not provoked. 
endures silliness and stupidity. That's true love. True love. I, I don't say you let it continue. I'm just saying that, that there's true love, that people know true love exists. I've got to keep going. Number six, the spirit of possibility. The spirit of possibility. This is really the sense of vision, that nothing is too big to begin to dream and imagine. That when you come into this place, it is literally a dream center. That you can begin to dream and imagine that God can do anything. Vision is about you imagining a better future. The possibility that life can really be different for you. And if we carry that spirit amongst us as people come in, they will begin to say, I can begin to dream. I can begin to imagine too. Number seven, a spirit of moving forward. We gotta, we gotta quit entrenching ourselves in the past. I'm gonna, on August the 2nd, I've got some really, I think it'll be humorous as well, but some things I wanna say on this particular point. But folks, we're not holding the fort. We are moving forward. The armor of God, even in the scripture, is primarily offensive weaponry because we were designed to go forward. We weren't designed to retreat. We are meant to attack, take no prisoners, press into new territory. As a matter of fact, we're unstoppable because the unstoppable one lives inside of us. And greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. See? So we're moving forward. Now, I'll grant you, there are some days it feels like I'm only doing about this. But I'm still moving forward. And I'm going to be farther in a couple weeks doing this than doing this or this. People sense that. Number eight, a spirit of generosity. There's an atmosphere of generosity. And again, no apologies from me. I am a prosperity preacher. I believe that God is good. I believe that he wants to prosper you and bless you. I mean, I would hope you would be okay with that. Do you want me to curse you with poverty and say, I don't believe God wants you to have anything? I mean, come on. Do you really want that? No, you don't want that. Nobody likes poverty. And it's not in the word of God. God wants to provide for his people, for his kingdom purposes, through releasing finances, doing benevolent acts. People got spiritual in their wallets, in their billfolds. I'll assure you, watch God move. Watch him move. Number nine, a spirit of passionate Christianity. Now again, this is just attitudinal. God will sense when we are loving him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. In fact, I'm just, I'm going to say this and out loud, I hope everyone's here to hear this, but I'm just going to say because the, the visible people are the ones, musicians listen to me, singers listen to me, praise and worship people listen to me. You are the ones, aside from me, probably Trace as well would be included in this, but aside from us, you are the ones that really teach people to be passionate. People can't be instructed into passion. I can't teach them into passion. They, they, it's demonst- passion is demonstrated. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying, I'm not talking. Passion is not silly. Passion is not goofy or any of the other dwarfs. I mean, passion has a decorum to it, no doubt. But, but, you all have a, an incredibly high responsibility, which is why we have such high expectations. 
And anybody who knows, knows that that pastor has fairly high expectations on people who lead worship. Why is that? Because they set an atmosphere. And I don't need an atmosphere of being a bump on a log. You say, boy, you're putting a spotlight on him. Yes, I am. Just like the spotlight's on me. And others who will stand up. We, we have got to get to the place where we understand that I am setting the atmosphere. I, this, isn't, this isn't saying I'm all that in a bag of chips. Understand what I'm saying. But ain't nobody going to rise above my passion level. You know why that is? It's because you catch my DNA. I preach to you. I teach to you. My passion is contagious to you. And if I was just this sort of numb, kind of hop along, get along, that's where you're going to be. You would eventually mirror me. And that is why I have to stay before God and I have to keep my passion. And I have to live all out because I understand enough to know that wherever I am, probably people aren't going to swing by me. That if I can get them to me, that's doing a great job as a leader. I'm telling you folks, this is about setting an atmosphere and we got to be serious about it because because the transformation of people's hearts weigh in the balance. So we've got to begin to do this. Passionate people. Setting the atmosphere. Not just these folks here, but I'm talking about us folks here. That's why we invited people to come to the well. I appreciate all the young people that come. And I, I really, it, it, it just blesses my heart to see you come. But when you're down here, you're setting the atmosphere. Don't diminish the atmosphere. Set the atmosphere. Don't reflect the world. Begin to set the temperature. Amen. We're setting atmosphere. Passion. Number 10. A spirit of optimism. No defeatist mentality around here. God has created us as His people to be winners, no matter what. Victory is an attitude. Triumph is a perspective. Things not only can be different, they will be different. So we've got to get a spirit of optimism around here. We're not being defeated. We're not being banged up. We may have a few bumps and bruises, but we're still winners. That's optimism. The future's good. Why is that? Because God's still in charge. The kingdoms of this world will still become the kingdom of His Lord and Christ. Number 11, the spirit of intercession. Intercession changes atmospheres. The more people who pray, the more conducive it is to soliciting the presence of God. And then Trace mentioned and we're going to change the the slide on the screen overhead, but on Wednesdays, we just felt like we were going to give people one more opportunity. We pray on Sunday mornings at 9.30. We pray Tuesday mornings right around 10 o'clock, 10.30. There's a good group of predominantly ladies that come, and they pray, and we appreciate that. And then on Wednesday at lunch from 12 to 1, and, and, and I've been encouraged to see that grow as well. If we get a culture of prayer, the atmosphere will change and the windows of heaven will open. Now, I understand you can't force people to pray. I'm not forcing you to pray. Oh, I'm, well, I'll, I'll take that back. I do force these people to pray. Because if you can't pray, you can't play. If you're too good to pray, then I don't want your skill and I don't want your talent. I'm just saying it out loud. I need people that will pray and set an atmosphere. Amen. I'll amen myself. Yes, amen. 
Now, and I'm just, I, I say this out loud because it isn't our skill level that's going to get the presence of God. We can go hire bar musicians. We can hire Nashville studio musicians. We can pay them big bucks and they'll hit all the notes right and get the good licks in and God will not show up. But you put little old pastor on his 12 string up here who can't sing a note and I'll guarantee you if my heart's right and I'm passionate, God will be drawn to that. Yes, he will. I feel an anointing. That's true. I mean, I like good music. I like popping the tapes. My son went to Hillsong. I like this stuff. I like going. I like seeing. I like hearing. I like, I like everything that you like. But I like the presence of God. And it's not trying to diminish everything in order to somehow get God to come. It's looking at everyone and saying, let's step up and seize the atmosphere. We can do this. I'm hollering again. I said to myself, I wasn't going to holler this morning. And here I am. I'm hollering. I can almost say without exception that churches that transform lives and cultures pray. It doesn't matter. You, you, can, you can have tens of thousands of people. But that won't change a culture. And that's why we've got to ask ourselves what the measuring stick is. What the success level is really going to be. And get it in our spirits. Because truth of the matter is you can be like Gideon and send out the call and get 30,000 people to show up. And God will whittle you down to 300. But those 300 will have more passion and insight and revelation and power and anointing to win battles than the 30,000. The key isn't he who has the most but show up wins. The key is he who takes the city wins. I said but out loud, didn't I? Have mercy. Edit that before that goes on iTunes. I'll lose two countries over that probably. Number 12, a spirit of worship. I'm coming in for a landing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen to this. John 4.23 says the hour has come and is even now that God is seeking those. God is seeking something. He is seeking, the Bible says, true worshipers. Interesting. He never says he's seeking good music. He never says he's seeking even good worship in and of itself. He says, but the hour has come that he is seeking true worshipers. He's seeking people. He's not seeking a gig. He's not seeking a band. He's not seeking a CD. He is seeking the hearts of true worshipers who will worship in spirit, little s, which means out of their inner man. They will worship out of their innermost being. They'll just be absolutely all-out worship. Everything inside is, is communing with God who will worship in spirit and in truth. That's what God's looking. Hear that? God's looking for that. He's looking. The question is, if he looked here, would he find it? I believe he could. I was so encouraged last week when our missionary was with us and Mark stood up and as he was sharing, and he told me some things later as well. But he, you know, a missionary comes off the field ever so often, and they do what they call deputation. Or they do, what, what's the other word they use? Furlough. Yeah, they go on furlough. And so they have to travel, and they have to raise money, and they 
go to churches that have supported them and they, you know, they're keeping their contacts so they can go back to the field. This, this is in order. This is what they do. And, and so Mark gets to go to numerous churches and he gets to go, of course, churches overseas and all sorts of things. And the thing that really encouraged me, and I wanted to encourage you because it really isn't about me. It's about us at this point. But he looked at me and he said, you know, I've been a lot of different places here recently. And I had forgotten what it was like to be in the presence of God until I was at your church. Now, every now and then, when I don't think God's up to anything or I find my own little pity pool and wait in it, it's good to have a little voice like that come again and hear him say that he hadn't sensed God like that for a long time. Listen to me. That's why we gather. We really don't gather. Listen very carefully. We're not gathering to just meet the need of the people. We meet with God to worship him, to hear from him. And as a byproduct of him showing up, our needs are met. Are you getting it? We can all enter into this. There is not one person here this morning who could not join with me, and I know many. I'm not, I, I understand some of you are already there. Everything I've said, you went, yes. It was like throwing, it was like throwing raw meat to a bunch of dogs. And you're just going, yeah, pastor, yeah. You know, that's amen. Amen is human for You watch, I go, to, I, go, I go to my pantry and my dog Pookin knows when I'm going after the bone. I mean, he just knows there's something in his sensor that he knows when I'm getting him the bone. And I'm here to tell you, you, you put that, that's just, just a little, a little dog, just amazing thing about that. But he'll get a hold of that bone and I'll just hold it for him a little bit and he'll just go. And boy, I finally let it go and, and, and he'll just prance with that bone. And then he'll come tease me with it. He'll, he'll kind of put it up like that and I'll reach down and he'll go. I'm not here to, I'm not here to tease you. I'm here to tell you this, this is the real deal. There's not one person this morning here who could not join with a vast majority, I'm quite sure, in seizing the atmosphere. When we get good at doing this, when we begin to understand the dynamics of doing this and seizing it in the house of God, listen to me, there's going to come a day when God will look at us and he'll say, go seize the atmosphere of your city. See, if we, it's just a joke, if we can't seize the atmosphere of children's church, he ain't going to give us a city. If we can't seize it in here, he will give us a city or a state or a nation. That's our nation's problem is that nobody's willing to seize the atmosphere again so that the portals can be opened, the gates can be opened, and the king of glory can come in. <laughs> I'm getting a vision. I don't know. I, like I said, this is, I, I believe this is for many, many days from now. This is not next week. But there's going to come a day, somehow, some way, Trace, you just remember this, and I, it, may be, it may be several years from now, but I, every time I'm there, I get this vision of being in that park downtown. You know where that park is right there on Calhoun and King? 
What's the name of that park? Marion Square, that's right. Yeah, that, that, that name that everyone knows but me right now. So I, I just, I get a picture of people worshiping there. For whatever reason, I just, I just feel like there, there, there's, there's a point that a portal could be opened. And that God could move like he's never moved before. And I think the important thing about the vision is, is that I don't, I don't see names and I don't see faces. I just see this blur of God's people seizing an atmosphere. That God comes through and he gets the glory. It ain't about him or her or them. It's about him. It's about him. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Did I I lose all my musicians? Have they quit me yet? Or are they still here? Singers, you can come too. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's everybody, let's begin to pray and let's begin to seize an atmosphere. Just these last moments and I'm going to cut you loose. Spirit of God, we want you in this place. We desire you in a powerful way to be drawn in our midst to this gathering. We realize it's not about really the bricks and the mortar and the sheetrock and the carpet. But Lord, it's when your people come together in one accord, in one place. And Lord, they begin to seize an atmosphere by their attitude, by their spirit, by their desire, by their passion. Hallelujah. Lord, right now, quicken us all. Would you quicken us all where the spirit of the Lord is, guys? Quicken us all right now. Come on, would you lift your hands to the Lord? Could you do that for me? Just just, just humor me. Come on, humor me for, for this Sunday. And let's, let's just begin to reach out and seize an atmosphere. 24th Psalm says, Open wide, you ancient doors, and lift up your head, O ye gates, that the King of glory may come in. I'm, I'm, I'm seriously considering talking about the power of the decree next week where we got to begin to decree things so that atmospheres change. So Lord, we ask you right now that the brassy heavens be melted. That the tight atmosphere be released. That Lord, every oppressive power, every dark force would be bound in the name of Jesus. And that Lord congregationally out of the mouth of the church Lord we decree we decree open ancient doors lift up your head O ye gates that the king of glory may come in who is this king of glory the Lord he is the king of glory strong and mighty in battle King of glory you are welcome you are welcome you are welcome I'm hearing I'm hearing the sound 
I'm hearing the sound. Open wide. Portal of heaven open wide. Making our decree. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you're tired and you are thirsty, there is freedom. If you're tired and you are thirsty, there. done through the church Ephesians 3 and 10 says that the manifold wisdom of God can only be made known to powers and principalities through the church there's some things that we can only do together it doesn't matter how powerful you are or think you are as an individual there are some things that can only get done together and I believe the place that God has put us 
and the area that we have been called to. I've been called to this. Listen, it's been settled in me. I've been called to this. I, I never. I read Luther's journals one time, and he said, "I've been called to fight devils." That's what he said. To break down strongholds and fortresses. Come on, we got to reform. We're reformers. We're going to reform the way church is done. Church, church, church should be the most dangerous thing. Because we are, we are taking back what is rightfully God. And it's not going to happen. It's not by might nor by strength. It is by His Spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. But with powers and principalities, world forces of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. See, we've, we've been so worried about the symptoms that we've missed going to the root. It's a spiritual root. And we're making decrees and declarations right now. Come on, we're going to believe people are going to walk in to where we worship and they're going to be set free when they come in. People are going to come to this place and, and revelation and understanding are going to come to them again. I, I can't go on any longer not having His glory. i got to get Him back. You want to know what's fun? It's when God shows up. I cannot live without that anymore. Come join me. Come join me. Come join me. Come join me. Hallelujah. Give my all. I'm gonna give my all to Jesus. There is freedom. Sing that. I'm gonna give my all. Gonna give my all to Jesus. There is freedom. Come. Gonna give my all to Jesus.
what I'm just giving you pictures. See, what we're doing as a people right now is we set the plow in. And we're breaking up the fallow ground. And I'm glad for a big service. And I'm glad for your heart. And I'm glad for all that we sense at this moment. But guys, listen to me. Seizing an atmosphere in a one-time deal. This, this is, this is, this is, we can't, we can't walk out and say, wow, that was a great service. And well, it'll be, it'll be good to get back to normal. I ain't going back to normal. I'm not going back to normal. I need you. Now, God is my source, and I, He is everything. But when I say I need you, I need someone to agree with me concerning ceasing atmospheres. I need intercessors when they show up on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays and on Sunday mornings. I need intercessors. To, I mean, I'm glad for the needs, Miss Louise. If you pray for those needs, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I need somebody through the week to keep seizing an atmosphere. And that, and that went, for whatever reason, we don't sense, we don't sense, you know, we come in here at 10 o'clock and Tyler, you know, gives us the exhortation and, and everybody comes out of the shoot and Robert hits the cymbals and everybody's singing and it just isn't happening. Don't, don't, don't just, well, I wonder how long they practice this week. There's something in you that's got to say, it's time to seize the atmosphere. It's time to seize the atmosphere. Say, well, this isn't what they do other places. Well, I... See, listen, I want people to be changed. I, I'm, I'm going for changed lives. I don't care how long they lay on the carpet. I'm, I believe that that happens. I believe crazy, dramatic acts of the Holy Ghost can happen. But listen... Just because we have fallout services or we don't doesn't affect me one way or the other. Change lives. And the only way your life, my life, anyone's life gets changed is when glory shows up. It's when we encounter the living Christ, the Holy Ghost. It's when we encounter Him in His fullness that we get up and we say, I am not the same person. Listen to me. The glory is starting to come. Now, I'll tell you what that means right now. And that some of you right now are going to walk out of this place. And this is my prayer that I have just messed you up for life. Because that's what glory is about. It's change. Maybe you aren't going to get it all at once, but change is coming. Good change. You and I are going to look a little bit more like Jesus. Sons and daughters of God seizing dominion over the the earth and the world and the flesh and the devil no longer being a doormat but rising up and taking our rightful place as heirs and joint heirs hallelujah lord your glory let it come and let it do its work lord i just corporately ask forgiveness for the times that your glory has come and we've just sort of played in it and went our own way we receive the glory of God. We desire the glory of God. Let it begin to transform our hearts. That we'll never be the same. I don't want to be the same. I'm grateful for what you did 30 years ago and 15 years ago. 
and a year ago, but your word says that with unveiled face, I could behold the glory of the Lord and be transformed from glory to glory. That whatever glory there was in 20 years ago, the glory is greater today. Come on now, the glory of the latter house. The glory of this latter house will be greater than the former. Lord, I just commit. And there are people here obviously committing. Lord, we commit to doing our part to cultivating an atmosphere that you can move in unhindered, unfettered, in amazing, dramatic, distinguishable ways. Lord, hear me as I pray this, Lord. You know, you know, people have gotten fleshly and sort of earthly weird. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy, but Lord, however you choose to move, help me shepherd this. Help me shepherd this thing. Because Lord, I know, I know we cannot have these anesthetized, sort of do nothing, have nothing happen services, Lord, we've, we've got to step back into the faith zone, sort of that danger zone, the risk zone again. So Lord, we're going to begin to move, but help us, Lord, I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want to weird anyone out. I don't want to run anyone off. It's not my desire, Lord. I want to reach the lost. I want to reach the seekers and, and the doubters and the skeptics, Lord. I want to reach them, but I know, I know nothing can happen if I just logic them to you, Lord. They must they must sense the glory of God. Help us as people to understand that. Lord, my prayer has been from day one when I came to this city that you would raise up a credible, a credible spirit-filled witness in this city that unashamedly put the Holy Spirit front and center. And that, Lord, we could, we could reach everyone from the top of the intellectual socioeconomic ladder to those lord that may not be at, at the top of the ladder maybe at the bottom of the barrel but nonetheless lord they're precious absolutely precious in your sight thank you lord that you're doing that you're, you're doing it and 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 we're grieved in some ways lord ourselves in having to be released from this moment but lord i i know what you told me it's not a one-time deal this is not a one-time deal. This is, this is something that every Sunday, folks, one last time I'm going to exhort you. You wake up on Sunday, and as you're getting out of bed and you're getting ready to come to the house of God, you begin to say to yourself, I am, I am partnering with Pastor to set the atmosphere. I'm partnering with my shepherd to set an atmosphere. They're not going to have to overcome me. Come on, don't, 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 don't you be the one that we have to bind. But you're going to be the one that's going to come into agreement. And I'm partnering with my pastor. That, Lord, that atmosphere will be conducive to the glory of God. If you'll do that for me, that'll mean more than you will ever know. That'll mean way more than you'll ever know. So, Lord, I thank you for those right now that are partnering in this simple act what we can do as a people together. Thank you, Lord, that, that as they give and as they exercise, Lord, energy in this regard, Lord, that you're going you're gonna to bless them individually as well and do phenomenal, over-the-top things in their life. 
Lord, I love them. I know you love them. I know Trace loves them. Lord, there's a lot of love in the place. But Lord, right now, we, we want to see you manifest the greatness of yourself. And so, Lord, we're just going to release from this service knowing that the next time we gather, Wednesday night too, no matter when we come, we're going to believe there's an atmosphere for the glory of God. May it be so. And may all the glory be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship God with our hands together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. See, you can sense shift. See, you sense atmosphere shifts. It does, just by virtue.